Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Match Ball. Welcome to the Matchball podcast with Levi Solicitors. 10% off your legal fees when you come through us, the square ball. If you want to get involved in that, head to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan and I'm joined remotely by Michael Normanson. Hello. And Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. Fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) Never in doubt, was it? Not at all. No, no. All over that. Mm. I think dominated start to finish there. and gave them, uh, schooled them is the term I would use. It worked out exactly as it looked like it was going to from last night's wonderful results that I was very happy about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you know, we're not the ones being chased anymore, are we? Think of it that way. No, we're, we're, we're going to win the league now. So it's all very good. It's all turned out very well. That was why I was genuinely happy that um, Brentford won last night because I don't want to just get promoted I want to win the league and we're winning it in fact I think we've won it so it's been a good a good weekend <laughs> you idiot shut up <laughs> have a have a look at my uh, because we've logged into Squadcast that we're using to record this What what is my username displaying there it's a little trophy it is representing a big trophy the, uh, the English Football League Championship that Leeds United are winning it has to be said that first half was pretty tough going, but it completely schooled him in the second half there to Bielsa. Took him to school, taught him a lesson. The first half was confusing. Like it was not what we expect at all from Bielsa's leads. I I've not I can't think of another game where that's happened. It reminded me slightly of when in the Arsenal Cup game when they started to to turn it around in the second half and all of a sudden they did look to be a bit of a golfing class. It was so confusing. We didn't have the ball. When we did have the ball, we, we just couldn't do anything simple. It seemed like when we had the ball, the passes just weren't there for us. Like normally there's three or four people showing for the ball. It was just, we were just ending up kicking it down to the corners because there was no options for anyone. And then we fixed it with Pablo. We had the, um, in the first half, the passing. I know everyone has been looking at the, the possession was the, lowest that Leeds have had under Bielsa. We had 35% in the first half, but our passing accuracy was down to 54%. And I've not compared that to any of our other games, but I'm perfectly content just saying that's not good enough, especially compared to Fulham's was 83%. So you you don't have to compare our performance to 
other Leeds games, you compare it to the other team on the pitch and um, they were doing a lot better than us. But the fact that we were leading for the 10th minute meant it's kind of all right because I didn't really think Fulham were going to score two past us because Mitrovic uh, is rubbish. <laughs> well, he's he's not though, is he? Weirdly, like at half time, I was writing in my notes that he was a beast because he's just, he was getting to everything first and he just seems to be causing us constant problems. That's we seem unable to mark him. Two games. I, I honestly don't know what you're talking about because that's two games Mitrovic has played against Leeds United this season and he has done absolutely nothing apart from there was a dodgy penalty that he scored and he's tried to maim Ben White's beautiful young face. Other than that, now just jumped and moaned and that's it. He can, well, there was the header that nearly went into the top corner and the shot that was pretty good as well. And he just was winning loads of stuff. Like people, We were not physically able to deal with him. But then we just took the approach of stopping the ball going anywhere near him. I'm going, to bring, uh, I'm going to bring Jack Charlson to bear on this because I watched him. Well, he was doing co-commentary on a England-Scotland game and it was, um, it was Joe Jordan, teammate of his, headed uh, a chance for Scotland, smacked it against the crossbar from a corner and uh, Jack Charlton, watching the replay, went, that is well off, six inches too high, rubbish. So you're talking about Mitrovic nearly scored. Where did that ball end up? In the cup. He was, yeah, he was a really enigmatic player in that first half, I thought. Like you say, he put himself about loads, but that vicious assault on beautiful Ben White was an absolute disgrace. And they're going to have to, if they don't look at that retrospectively, then you are going to have to genuinely believe the idea that there is some sort of high-level conspiracy against Leeds because that was ridiculous, completely ridiculous. And if the referee claims to have seen it, there is very clearly an angle which shows him looking in the opposite direction when it when it occurred because it was that late. He had, I guess quite rightly, stopped watching that bit of the play because the ball wasn't there anymore. But it's got to be looked at. It really, really must be. And you've got to think, Fulham without Mitrovic for three games, that could be their, them are completely out of this now. That's what I mean. And Brentford aren't going to overtake us. So, and West Brom are never going to score another goal at all. So, Brentford are going to go up second behind us and then West Brom and Fulham are going to do a, a Huddersfield. They'll get through the um, the playoffs without scoring any goals, just penalty shootouts all the way. And they'll probably actually still be going through their penalty shootout when next season is due to start because um, no goals in either team. That first half was just strange though because we're so used to seeing Calvin Phillips and Klitsch doing dominating a midfield and all of a sudden there was Harrison Reed doing Calvin stuff better than Calvin. Like Clay Jett just he couldn't get on the ball at all. And it seemed like Kearney, while not having one of his better games, was doing the Clitch stuff better than Clitch can. And I didn't see where we were going to suddenly take control of that game. I think Kearney was doing the the click stuff better than Click, but he was in a position on the pitch where Scotty Parker was expecting him to be there Hernandez and Phillips was stopping him from doing that, which meant he had to go and do the click stuff. Um, so although they were having more of the possession and they were having, um, it felt like they were having like a shot every minute for about 10 minutes towards the, the end of the first half. None of it was particularly incisive. I didn't think Kearney was having a, a dangerous effect on the game. He was tidy enough. And then, um, yeah, Tyler Roberts was a bit lost with them having two defensive midfielders, which is, I guess, it's the difference. First half, we had a 21-year-old Tyler Roberts up against two of them. And second half, we had um, a timeless um, God took over that job and uh, and Tyler went and did his business elsewhere. 
Well, we were critical of Patrick Bamford's um, performance at Cardiff, which wasn't great. Um, it has to be said, objectively, wasn't great. Today, a much better striking performance, but there's a certain irony in the fact that it didn't really stick through midfield. I think midfield is where we, we sort of lost it in that first half. Didn't really stick for him up front either. So it's there's so much uh, Bielserism in taking him off at half time, having got the goal and done the striking bit really well that he was taken off, bless him. I, f- I really felt for him, given that he got his goal. He was sat in the stands with um, an ice pack on his left knee, so I don't know if he was carrying a bit of a knock, but it did seem like it was probably a tactical change. But if you know if he does that every game, kicking it into the net and stuff, that's fine by me. I prefer the games where he kicks it into the net and doesn't do other stuff very well than the games where he does everything really well apart from missing loads of chances. I did predict last week that he would be um, the player in this match, whereas Mitrovic would just leave as a as an irrelevance who will have to sit matches out, um, and that kind of came to pass. Watching Bamford today was like watching absolute prime Luciano. Becchio because when Costa played that ball to him in Fulham's half that first touch was absolutely from the very top draw of Luciano Becchio's meat locker in that it went about 20 yards back towards Meslier's goal but then when he won it back um, and then the ball from Costa was well judged well placed and um, and it was just like watching Becchio getting around the box where okay He's got absolutely no feet uh, near the halfway line, but put him near the penalty area and he can put a ball in from any angle. And didn't rush it, didn't panic it, didn't boom it in the stands, didn't get any in the way of it. Tyler Roberts did a great job of actually jumping over it so that he wasn't uh, a problem. And uh, it was very good. That must be one of the patterns of play, the fixed patterns of play that Scott Parker has talked about before, the little cardigan dick. Uh, where we do the cutback and a player steps over it because he did it twice. He did it in the second half, didn't he, for for Alioski's goal. Um, I think the crucial thing there as well with that Costa thing was not just banging it aimlessly across. If you play the ball, do the patterns, do the Bielsa process, that's when you reap your rewards. And I think um, Costa's composure to pull that back there also should be um, drawn attention to as well as Bamford's really nice finish. I thought he took it really well. And Costa generally had quite a terrible game, I thought. But I guess it just it shows the faith in the process and that even if you're not having a good day, if you keep following what you're meant to do, just keep doing the same things you do all week, then it, sometimes that is enough, even if it lacks any of the artistry that we maybe saw more of in the second half. There's a, a bit of um, percentage when it comes to that, those balls down, um, or that possession out wide from Bielsa, because you can do two things. You can look up and you can see Bamford on the edge of the box and you can play it to him. Or you can just ping it across and and basically make the defence deal with a really dangerous ball. And that's one of the reasons why you do have Patrick Bamford was doing the right thing by getting so close to the, the keeper last week and Tyler Roberts was doing the right thing today by being in front of the keeper because if the ball bounces off a, a defender and doesn't get dealt with, you're in the right box to sniff it into the... You're in the right place to sniff it into the net. Um, so it's, it's 50-50. First one is... Can you give it to somebody precisely so they can finish? Second one, just bang it across and see what problems you cause. It can't have been only me that was thinking, right, lads, just get to half time. Give us a chance to sort this out. But I was quietly confident um, getting into to half time, thinking, well, he's not going to allow that to continue, Bielsa. Something positive, some affirmative action is going to have to take place at half time to change the shape. 
and to um, wrestle back control of that game because we, we got over running midfield. I think for me, the thing where we lost it in that first half probably was that Tyler Roberts was uh, floating around trying to do the link-up play and he was, it was probably a little bit too far forward and it left us one short in midfield. I mean, not his fault. It's obviously the instructions he, he was sent out there with. Um, and when we made the changes in the second half, it all it just felt that little bit more solid, didn't it, when the changes came? I wouldn't say I was feeling optimistic at halftime because they definitely had the best of that first half. But what I did think and what turned out to be true was Scott Parker's going to go into that dressing room and basically just say to them, don't change anything. It's fine. Probably won't even talk about what we're likely to do to change it. I don't know why. Maybe I'm being harsh on Scott Parker. I just feel like he's a shit manager. I don't know why I have it in my head. I have no idea what he does behind the scenes. But I thought he'll go in and say that, whereas Bielsa will go in and have a plan and have changes to make and he'll have individual instructions for each player and he'll have Pablo Hernandez who we can just say to the rest of the players, just give it to this man. He will sort it out for us. It was set up for us quite nicely at halftime. Okay, Fulham had had the better of the first half and we'd been unusually bad in our our passing and had been conceding a lot of possession, if not clear chances. But the goal advantage meant everything and I don't think it's an accident that our uh, second goal was a, a break and then the third goal a break and we we don't do too badly when teams are, are having to attack us and that was the the thing about having the goal lead from from so early in the game and managing to keep Fulham out for so long was that we the onus was never on us we just had to keep even if the second half had been exactly the same as the first half it would have been tense and it would have been horrible but we would have come away with well a, a 2-0 win and um and it did follow a a similar pattern in the sense that our uh, second goal came in, it was between 10 and 15 minutes. I haven't got the exact time here, but it came around the same time that Bamford scored in the first half. So we kept it very tidy in terms of how we were controlling the actual um, end result. It was just in the first half, we weren't in control of what was happening in the game. And the second half, um, Pablo Hernandez had it all locked up. He is a wonderful human being and I want to keep him forever. If anybody can think of any ways we can extract some DNA from Pablo and keep it somewhere um, and maybe, you know, put it on ice for, for the future or whatever, start recreating little mini Pablos. We start breeding them now. Uh, we might be all right in another sort of uh, 17 years or whatever. He's had one child. That's fine. We, we can keep that one. I was going to say, I think hasn't science solved that problem that you were talking about there? DNA and then anyway, nothing. Uh, yeah, I do think that Pablo's child belongs to him though. I want, this sort of some sort of laboratory child that we can just keep in the East Stand catacombs just for future. That's all. I mean, it might not be that well socially adjusted, but you know, it might be a good footballer. Anyway, it doesn't doesn't hold Alioski back, does it? No, this is true. I mean, that ball, that ball, and you know the, exactly the one I mean. I mean, we'll come on to Jackie Harrison's brilliant contribution there as well in a second. But when you saw that ball, you thought, "Oh, that's a nice ball." Hang on a second, he's managed to get on the end of it. Hang on a second, he's managed to get in front of the man. Hang on a second, he's managed to poke it into the net and we're going to the Premier League. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. To pick up on something Moscow said then in the first half, uh, about countering and, and being a little bit on the back foot. That second goal, almost you know, shades of that goal that we scored at Huddersfield, and, I, and I'm sure there are probably other examples of it elsewhere in the number of goals that we've scored this season, but a little bit like we did against Hull, just moving it around quickly, shifting it out wide, catching them on the break when they're on the front foot. It's just brilliant and it's pure Bielsa. The way that all the defenders fell over was a thing of absolute beauty in this because it looked like they could all get to it, but they were all so horribly wrong-footed. It was almost like in a, I don't know, some sort of an old film where the police all slip on ice and the, the criminal gets away or something. It just had that kind of a vibe to it. They're all like just stretching the foot, can't quite reach it. And it's got to be said credit to Alejowski as well, a very calm finish, which isn't something we give him an awful lot of credit for, but it was very composed the way he put it back where it come from and again meant the, the keeper had no chance of getting to it. Let's not forget that we did balloon one about 600 feet in the air at another point. That was enjoyable too, but for different reasons. Well, that one was from a whoever had the foolish idea of thinking a corner to him um, on the edge of the box so he could try and volley it. The worst thing that can, can happen to Alioski is a ball sitting up for him to volley. Um, it, it never works well. And that's why it was um, it was good for the, the goal that he did score, that it didn't come to him bouncing. He It came to him. Um, the ball could not have been more clear um, in its request to Alioski, stop me. And put me in the net. There was no, there were no other options for him in that, so it worked out very well. And his celebrations were were great. I enjoyed him at the end as well, going around and uh, and giving um, a round of applause to all the crowdies. He really, I'm glad he really got into the spirit of what that was all about. Um, and old Jackie, when he scored his his goal as well, kind of ended up in amongst them and gave a a little uh, a sort of a little wave back at them, like an, an acknowledgement. Whereas I think. Um, Alioski does regard them all as his new friends. And the, this goal was, what I, I liked about this goal was kind of listening to the the commentary and looking at what some people were saying about it on Twitter was how much of the credit for it seemed to be going to Pablo Hernandez. And that wasn't wrong, but he didn't touch the ball in this move. But the fact he was on the pitch just seemed to mean that that touch from uh, Click down the line for Harrison was... It could have been Pablo Hernandez. And if Pablo Hernandez isn't on the pitch, kind of death staring the back of Click's head to inspire him to do that, I don't think it happens. So a lot of credit to Pablo Hernandez in this goal simply for um, having the influence out on the grass to make something like this happen. He did. I mean, you 
I know you're being a bit, you're joking slightly on this, but him being out there, it did essentially ruin Harrison Reed's day. Like he had, Harrison Reed had a really good first half. He was maybe their best player. Second half, he was just tortured by Hernandez. He was, he couldn't get near him and he, he kept just sneaking into little spaces where he couldn't be marked and doing wonderful things. It suggests something perhaps for the, the future lineups that, um, Tyler Roberts played better in Bamford's position than Bamford did. Hernandez played better in Roberts' position than Roberts did. So why would we start the next game with Bamford at nine and Roberts in midfield? It feels like, well, let's start the match um, the way we finish this one and smash Luton, what's it going to be, seven by halftime? Um, and then we can do all the, the rolling subs in the second half we want. I, I absolutely, we don't need to... Uh, to let this go by without saluting the fact that Bielsa brought Pablo Hernandez on and having moaned both last week and in his press conference on Thursday, big style about people taking the piss with the five substitutes thing, using his fifth substitution to take Pablo Hernandez back off. <laughs> oh, did he? I didn't even notice that. Did he do that? Yep. Yeah, it's the injury time. Apparently he said in his press conference, uh, 45 <laughs> minutes was enough for him. But with, uh, with, him, <laughs> with him complaining last week, that it's all supposed to be, these aren't supposed to be tactical. You, I think in his mind it is you get three subs you can do what you like with it and you've got two spare that are kind of in case a player's injured or, or struggling. Um, yeah, and so for him to use his, his fifth one to take a, one of his subs off, superb stuff. Fulham took one of their subs off as well, didn't they? Which is worth giving them credit for. They took himself off. At what point did you think we've got this? For me, it was when it went 2-0. I thought, that's completely knackered up their game plan as that. Because like you said, as you said, Moscow, we scored at just the right time. 10 minutes in the first half, 10 minutes in the second half. And I think that I think that's what did for them just about. You could see the head started to drop. And we saw it against Brentford, in fairness, when they played them um, last week. They went out of the blocks there against Brentford and looked really sharp and then just faded and faded and faded. And I think lost the shape against Brentford. And we did it to them today, so screw them. <laughs> I think when I started to feel confident was when... Scott Parker has started trying to change the game with substitutions because I thought, nah, he ain't going to do this. Like it's it's gone for him. When he, which I think he did make his changes about first changes sort of ten minutes after our second goal, didn't he? And then he had that second round of them after we scored the third, and it was like he took off Kearney and Reed, didn't he? At that point, and Joe Bryan, who is again quite a decent player, and it was just like at that point, it was no, you might as well just take all of your players off and get back on your bus and just fuck off home because it is over for you now. There should maybe be a, a post or during COVID rule that says that if you can just forfeit the game, because if they are worried about players' fitness and um, and limiting uh, their exposure to to being at risk of the virus, then get to 70 minutes, it's 3-0. You should just have the option to say, we'll just go back to Fulham. That's all right. That'll, that'll do. Um, I, yeah, we'd had, we had it at 2-0 and you could tell from... Um, the way that they'd collapsed while chasing our, our breakaway and then looking at them all, um, it, they didn't just fall down as Leeds ran through them. They stayed down. I think there was a combination of, one, Leeds United have just absolutely sucker-punched us here, and two, that little cardigan-blazer-wearing bla- cardigan idiot is going to be chirping at us all the way back to London, and I can't be fucking asked with another half hour of this game. So we didn't have a problem from then on. Why do we dislike Scott Parker? Because I, I decided to not like him as well at some point. I'm not sure when. 
As, I don't think I hated him as a player or anything, but I think it's the the cardigan and tie pin combination. I just think, who do you think you are? You daft little, you daft little prick. Have you closely inspected that cardigan? I couldn't tell. Is it a cardigan or a blazer? It looks like a a blazer that's made out of cardigan material. Is it a bladigan? <laughs> it's a double-breasted cardigan, so it's it's got the, all the buttons down there with lapels, but then it's got like cuffs like a cardigan, and it looks like it's cardigan material. And it's I don't think it can have interior any pockets on it or exterior pockets. I think even Scott Parker has confused himself by wearing this thing. He's coming out dressed in whatever, and then his first thought is he's standing there and he's thinking, "What fuck am I fucking wearing?" What am I fucking? Where can I put me? Put me notes somewhere, and I'll keep checking me. I ain't got any pockets. It's well itchy. There's no, there's no buttons on the sleeves. But why, why have I got all these? Why, why is it double breasting? Well, I'm supposed to put a badge on the lapel. You're going very Dick Van Dyke here. Thank, thank God, I'm, thank God, I'm wearing me typing now. I think I can answer your question, Michael. I know why you dislike him. It's the same reason we dislike Frank Lampard. It's because this new school of um, managers have come in and they're acting like they've got it, like they know they have the answers. And I think when he started getting a bit chippy um, after we played them at Craven Cottage, when he was talking about our patterns of play and stuff like that, and as Leeds being a little bit predictable, he probably didn't mean it in the way that it was um, it was taken um, in the same way that Thomas Frank didn't mean it in the way that it was taken when Brentford started trash-talking us about us being terrified of going down there. But it's that naivety, I think. Um, no, actually, let's let's pretend he meant it and he's a poisonous little cockney bastard. And it's probably because he's a poisonous little cockney bastard as well. So sorry to anybody who is from that particular part of the world. But um, So Southern, far too self-assured, um, dress sense. Anything else? I think partly as well, the Lampard thing's a good comparison, actually, because a bit like... Lampard thought he was doing great things with Derby last year, despite having spent a huge amount of money and his best players were, he was able to get as a favour, essentially. Scott Parker has got a £27 million striker in the championship and can't get a full amount of it. So to to be kind of swaggering about the place, thinking you're doing great things, is absolute bollocks. It's a bit like Donald Trump with his, you know, he's made millions, but he was given millions in the first place. You've got to, you've got to realise where you've started from sometimes. And I think, any decent, probably any manager in the championship would have fallen where they are now. And Parker hasn't, to be fair to him, he has not forgotten all of his roots because you know who was playing in midfield for them today that he brought back into the side? Harry Arter. His brother-in-law, yes. He's uh, Is that Harry, his brother-in-law? Harry Arter is married to Scott Parker's uh, sister and uh, Arter and um, uh, Parker, were, they sort of started together at um, Charlton and I was reading earlier that when... Um, Arter was let go. Um, Parker employed Harry Arter as sort of a living odd job man, um, which I need to f- find more details about exactly what that involves. But it just has that kind of, you know, Frank Lampard, Junior, Senior, and Harry Redknapp's me uncle, and Harry Arter's my brother in law. And we've all played for West Ham. And we all have I'm our mums. I'm going to go manage Fulham. And as um, our. Powell Phil Hay has said this several times that Fulham have got a brilliant team and they've got a, an atrocious manager. I've seen a, a tweet from Phil this evening trying to work out what he's done to Tom Kearney and mm. what his performance is, what, what his job in that team is supposed to be. And with the players he's got, Anthony Knockhart, Cavalero, 
Mitrovic, admittedly... Bobby Reid as well. And Bobby Reid got about 18 goals in the championship one year, didn't he? You know, there's, there are a lot of goals in that team. But if Mitrovic doesn't score, then Fulham don't score, generally speaking. But actually, looking at the goal difference, I think that puts us on 27 versus Fulham on nine. <laughs> Which is quite, which is really quite dismal for a team that's meant to be challenging up there. Like Brentford have got a, a decent goal difference, so have West Brom. But maybe that's an indication that Fulham actually are quite rightly a bit further back. It's us and it's us and Brentford going up, isn't it? And talking of their um, lack of potency in attack, let's flip that one on its head and and point out how brilliant our centre backs were today as well. I think White and Cooper did an absolutely sterling job under the circumstances, particularly in that first half. I think my favourite Liam Cooper moment was when it was about 85 minutes and they just had a little chance opening up on the edge of the box and he sprinted out to block it. And I just thought, that's good commitment, is that? Because at a point when he must have been pretty tired and at 3-0, it doesn't really matter if you do it. But he just like went straight into autopilot and just thought, nope, my job is to get to this. And he bombed out to get to it. And Ben White is just pure class. It's a shame we don't own him. We are, you know, we're joking a little bit about... Um... Mitrovic earlier but this season so he's played 36 league games scored 23 goals he hasn't scored in open play against Leeds and he's scored against a lot of teams this season and last season as well and all the time he's been um, playing football but not against Cooper and White and unless he can cheat against us he just can't figure out um, Ben White and Liam Cooper and to be able to say that one of the top championship strikers can't work out how to play against Liam Cooper shows how far we've come as a team in the last five years, I think, and how far Liam Cooper has come. Well, hopefully that will be him banned for three games. And I thought Knockout could have been sent off as well, actually. that The little studs he put onto Tyler Roberts's knee, that was a really nasty little sly challenge that he did on him. Mitrovic, you would expect something to happen there. I guess this segues us into heroes and villains then from today. And Mitrovic is your clear villainy candidate, I think. And Steve McLaren, I'd like to nominate as well. We'll get on to him in a second. He was on CoComs for uh, for Sky today. I had LUTV, so I had the, the wonderful Tony DiRigo instead, which I think I would recommend you just get LUTV and not listen to the whichever Leeds-hating bastard the Sky are putting up on that particular day. I quite enjoyed Steve McLaren. I thought he was very, very clear about his particular hatred of Mitrovic right from the start where he's just like he's an idiot he does that he elbows people I hate it I hate that about him I tried to make him stop he never will um and he was clearly I mean it it did get a little bit over pally because there was he was there with Andy Hinchcliffe as well and there was possibly too much element of it being three lads having a laugh but that did give us the gift of all through the game Steve McLaren whenever he wanted to, to make a point to it was uh I can't remember the commentator's surname, but his first name is Gary. So he would say, I mean, looking at it, Gary Andy, this is a game where, and really Gary Andy, you'd think they'd make a change here. I'm thinking, who is this Gary Andy character? He's melded them into uh, one person. Um, And he was, you know, he was fine. And compare him to the likes of uh, Mark Lawrenson, who has suffered for so long. Imagine Lawrenson at that game. Go, well, not much atmosphere, is it? <laughs> God, can't believe they dragged me here to an empty. There's not, not even anybody here. <laughs> Am I supposed to eat the uh, the free pies through this mask? Eh? <laughs> so uh, Steve McLaren came at it, determined to have a, a nice day out and enjoy watching Pablo Hernandez play. Um, so I was all right with him. The specific reason why I wanted to nominate him because uh, was the point at which the game was at 3-0 to Leeds. And he said... This is not a 3-0 game. And then within seconds said, the scoreline reflects the game. I was like, what? 
What are you talking about, pal? I, I bet that rain brought flashbacks for him as well, the old uh, Brolly Wally. I mean, Steve McLaren has a long history of being a shit manager and an idiot. So why on earth he's been put forward to to give his views on it, I have no idea. Uh, speaking of shit managers and idiots, my villain nomination is Jonathan Woodgate. Because ah, have you yes. seen um, today's uh, results for mm. Middlesbrough? They've won 2-0. Not only have they won 2-0, but all you have to do is look at their team. And you start with Jonathan Housen in midfield. He's not playing, he's not playing centre-back anymore, uh, funnily enough. And then they have a strike force of Britta Sombonga, Ashley Fletcher and Patrick Roberts, who's on loan from Man City. The three players that Woodgate, in his wisdom, started on the bench last week. So he's basically allowed um, Colin Warnock to go in there and go, well, I just had to look at who was in there, who was in the squad when I came here. I mean, there's some lads in that dressing room. You just got to put them all on the pitch and they know what they're doing. I don't have to tell them anything, really. Me, I just uh, put them on the pitch and play and let them enjoy themselves, you know. And I, I thought, and, you know, of course, Ashley Fletcher has scored the first goal, hasn't he? I can't remember who scored the second one, but it's here. But he's just made it so fucking easy for, uh, <laughs> for Warnock to go in there. Yeah, so the first goal is Fletcher. It's a Patrick Roberts assist. And I think they showed it at halftime. It's a free kick headed in. So it's a set piece. And then the second one, Tavernier scored from a Jonathan Housen has got the assist. And Tavernier, all right, oh, even better, right. So Tavernier came on in the 61st minute, 62nd minute, he scored the second goal. Fuck me. Who, how does Neil Warnock get this fucking look? Nate Moscow, look, it's not a day for thinking about Neil. Just enjoy what's happened at Ellen Road. It's been good. He has pushed uh, Huddersfield into the bottom three, albeit with a game in hand. So, you know, every cloud and all that. Who, uh, let's not forget the way that he is worshipped in Huddersfield. So if he ends up keeping Borough up and sending them down, um, maybe that'll be another town. They'll finally get the message that they can... Uh, there's a statue I'd pull down, the, the statue of Neil Warnock in the centre of Huddersfield. <laughs> Chuck that in the canal. I'd like to nominate Fulham's Twitter account as a, uh, a villain as well. Did you see the way they described... Our third goal? A long ball over the top. A long ball over the top. That is not a long ball over the top. It's probably Scott Parker. That's probably how he thinks of it. One of those patterns of play, they just hit those long balls, don't they? He's an absolutely beautiful threaded pass from him. He's facing the other way when he kicks it, for Christ's sake. It's ridiculous. <laughs> just a second, right? First... Let me just pause there for a second, because on this, I want to just pick up on a tweet that's been sent. So you remember Fulhamish, the podcast... Um that won the FSA awards when we went to London and we didn't win. Uh, not that yeah, we bitter. bitter. Not bitter. No, no, not bitter. No. Anyway, somebody has tweeted at them saying, how come we were schooled by Bielsa? They looked a poor imitation of an Allardyce side. We were terribly stupid to concede from our own corner. That was the distance between the two teams. <laughs> okay. I mean, for, we should defend um, Fulhamish here. That is not what they have said. They have said schooled by Bielsa. That is a reply to them that is saying that. They have themselves are not idiots. No, they're absolutely fine, but their team is not. And uh, that does leave us eight points clear of third place at the top of the table. There is a long way still to go, but that is a huge, huge step forward, given that, you know, all things being equal, we should do the job against Luton on Tuesday. And again, you look at that and you think, well, if we don't, then we don't deserve to go up. Even if we do beat Fulham, it's ridiculous if we fuck this up in a proper Leeds way. Um, so how are you feeling now in terms of the promotion race? I mean, you say there's a, a long way to go. There's really not. Like, there's there's two games a week now. 
and there are not many lambs left. So before we know it, it'll all be over and done with and we'll just know what's happened. And I'm really glad. I've, I wish the end of last season had been like this, to be honest. I used to hate sometimes having to wait for a week for a game. We just want this over and done with as soon as possible. We will do the job against... Well, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's already done. So we'll, <laughs> we'll do the job against Luton, away to Blackburn, do it at home at Stoke. We'll, we'll beat Swansea. We're going to beat Barnsley. Of course, we'll beat Derby County and beat them badly. And um, we'll have to it'll be like trying to drag a, a disheveled um, Barney the Dinosaur off the pitch when Wayne Rooney's been run into the ground by our midfield. It's like a deflated... Do you remember when um, Barney the Dinosaur at a theme park uh, caught fire? And like <laughs> smoke just started coming out of him and children were running away terrified. That's what Wayne Rooney will be like in there. Because all the games are so long now. Um, with these drinks breaks, every game is like a hundred minutes long, and you leave him outside in the sunshine for a hundred minutes. <laughs> I thought then, Moscow. I thought for a second, then you were going to say I was that dinosaur. <laughs> I was not that dinosaur. And you can go and find um, if you look on YouTube as well. Find the report of when um, it was somewhere in America in the the nineteen seventies. They had a bright idea of dynamiting a dead whale on a beach because they couldn't work <laughs> yes. out how to move it. Look for that, and then just that'll be Wayne Rooney at the uh, at the end. And then, um, I mean, I, I assume Charlton seem to be doing all right, so they may be um, staying up by the time to come, they come to Elland Road. So Lee Bowyer will just lie down and let us romp through that one. So um, West Brom all, go away to Gary Monk's group as well next. I feel like Gary Monk's got got it in him to get a result against West Brom. He'll shit house himself a one 0 win. It's going to be absolutely fine. Champions, let's hope so. None of this promoted second nonsense. We're winning the league. Perfect words to finish it on. Cheers, Moscow. Cheers, Michael. And um, levicelisters.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Get your 10% off if you need some help with legal matters, either personal or commercial. Levi's will sort you out. We will return ahead of the Luton game, probably with a slightly abridged podcast because they're coming thick and fast. And we will speak to you then. Cheers for listening to this one. Take it easy. The Match Ball. 